In the beginning of practice, we listen to the instructions, we inquire about and learn how to address certain conditions in practice, we learn techniques, we gather a range of tools for working with the mind, for working with awareness. And it takes a lot of effort. It takes a continuity of interest and intention and energy to shift the life of the mind from its unconscious, unaware habits to an intentional awareness. And so we learn initially how to practice by doing awareness, by making awareness happen, by constructing the conditions or massaging the conditions into an experience of awareness. What we don't notice happening over the course of the several days at a retreat that we've been here is that awareness becomes a habit. And even when we forget or our energy weakens or we forget to pay attention or we forget to apply a technique, suddenly awareness comes and gets us. You may have forgotten and spaced out and uh, be far from the present moment. And yet something pulls you back or pulls the attention into the present moment and awareness happens quite spontaneously. What I'd like you to to notice when it occurs today is how spontaneously awareness appears. Much of the time we'll be intending and applying effort and using some technique or just reminding ourselves in some ways. But frequently, it'll just occur spontaneously where awareness is recognized. As I often say, you may forget the Dharma, but the Dharma won't forget you. All the seeds of intention and energy and effort and understanding that you have applied or planted in the mind is still there and they sprout when conditions are ripe. So after establishing your posture and a continuity of awareness, then relax. We know how to relax the body and to relax the mind means to let go of any agenda, to let go of any goal, to let go of seeking any experience or constructing a moment's experience. Let that go. When you see yourself about to do anything, just let go of that intention. Let go of that about to moment and just recognize, oh, there's awareness of that too. Noticing the about to moment is important, whether it's about to shift your posture, when you're about to open your eyes, or you're about to swallow, or you're about to do anything, including apply a technique or pick up a tool, a meditative tool. There's a dramatic shift in energy and experience following an intention like that. When we notice the intentions, the about two moments, we can rest because the work has already been done. Awareness has noticed. And so I want you to relax intentionally and let awareness remind you that it is present. Sometimes Saito Tejani will say, when you feel like it's too much work or too much effort or you feel confused or at any time, the instruction is to stop and wait. 
do nothing. Awareness will find you. Trust that.
question about wisdom. Uh, it seems like I'm able to be mindful fairly continuously. It's as if there's a kind of a protective shield up that keeps the defilements away. And then when the defilements sort of penetrate that shield, if you will, the palpable sense of contamination, residue, or something that's very felt. Um, but it also seems like as that uh, mindfulness builds a bit, there's this sort of space of mind that's present. And my question is, is that where wisdom happens or arises, or is it wisdom itself? The comment is about the development of wisdom and how when there is a momentum to awareness, there's a very felt sense of being protected from the defilements. And it's true, the very definition of a momentum of mindfulness is seclusion of mind. And the seclusion of mind means the mind is secluded from the torments of the hindrances developments. And while that momentum is there, of course, there's, a, there's, a, there's an ease, there's a, a felt sense of uh, wholeness or harmony or wholesomeness. So the question was, is it there, just in that space, that wisdom then arises, or is that space itself wisdom? That was the question, right? That space itself is not wisdom. The understanding you have of that space, and it's not space like physical space or spaciousness, it's just the experience of the mind being secluded. That's, that's what we're talking about. So how you understand that secluded state of mind and what you understand about it may be a wise understanding. But the state itself is not wisdom. So what do you have to understand about that state of mind? Or how do you have to understand that state of mind in order for it to qualify, so to speak, as wisdom or insight knowledge. I'm going to shift your term from wisdom to insight knowledge. Three things have to be known to some degree about that. That this state or this condition or this experience is a conditioned experience due to causes and conditions and just the way things are being held in the unfolding of stuff, it is conditioned. It is not permanent. And because it is not permanent, it is ultimately not very reliable. If you know any of those three things, any one of them or all three of them, then we could say that is an insightful understanding that in our tradition we call wisdom. Now do you remember what those three conditions those three understandings were? It is conditioned. It is it is a state of mind that's brought into being or brought into awareness because of you know the the conjunction of impersonal conditions of mind and matter and internal and external and past, present, future and it all kind of appears in this moment giving rise to this state of mind, or this state of being, if you will. We understand that. Because it is conditionally arisen, we also know that those conditions are going to change, and when they do, that state of mind or that state of being is going to dissolve and disappear. It is impermanent. Because it is impermanent, and because it is conditioned, it's really unreliable, as good as it is. The secluded state of mind is pretty nice. Eh? 
as good as it is, you can't rely on it. You can't really just say, this is it, done. Because it changes. So those three understandings are the insights into anicca, impermanence, the insight into dukkha, unreliability, and the insight into anatta, which is conditionality. That's Vipassana. Are we there yet? (laughs) Yes, because these understandings grow imperceptibly. While you are just doing the work you're doing, your wisdom factor in the mind, or I should say the impersonal wisdom factor in the mind, is grokking it. It's just taking it in. It's like it's just like it is registering the fact that everything is impermanent, everything is conditioned, everything is unreliable, it doesn't last. It may not be strong enough yet to appear in your mind as a, aha, oh, yeah, got it. But it's slowly growing. This, this understanding is slowly growing as you just do your work. Yeah. Uh, my understanding is, is that insight is not an intellectual cognition, that it is, and yet the process by which you describe this experience of ease, and it, which leads you to the conclusion that it is a Nietzsche, Dukkha, and Anatta, seems like an analytical intellectual process. Okay. So the comment is, his understanding was that this insight or this knowledge, wisdom, is not an cognitive understanding. But the way I described it sounded very analytical and cognitive. We have to use words. We do have to use concepts to point to what is the emerging wisdom. In fact, it is not an, anal- an analysis. You don't analyze uh, experience and say, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, I see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not that kind of analysis. But it is, it, the understanding emerges from a very clear, continuous observation of the way things are. And Wisdom is the capacity to arrive at an understanding that is greater than the the sum of your observations. And that insight or that understanding is kind of like a spark in the mind. It's just like a, you know, got it. Okay. Not because you thought about it, not even because you heard about it and went looking for it, but because that understanding dawns on the mind. It appears in the mind's eye, if you will, as, as an understanding. Yeah, not analytic, definitely. experience as awareness, that it's kind of detachment, and my state of mind, which seems to be pretty, uh, like equanimity, so that less contrast seems to be harder to, in a sense, maintain awareness and not lose that awareness. And then, there was, in the book on defilements, I don't remember it exactly, but there was things we have to do. One, you have the right information, sure. have the 
the right motivation. Yes. Third, apply intelligence. Yes. So that last one, the apply intelligence, seems to be missing yeah. in this kind of fog. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know from what you said, the information, that yes. wisdom will spontaneously sure. arise yes, in that sure. situation. Yeah. Yet there's some kind of feeling like I'm kind of here like a contented pig or something yeah. rather than applying a yeah. Got it. The comment is about initially uh, feeling like he's in kind of a pleasant fog, you know, which is nice and pleasant, but it's kind of a fog. And there is a kind of a homogeneity between the pleasant fog and the kind of understanding. And there's not a real sharp distinction between knowing it and experiencing it. And it just kind of mushes all together and it seems to kind of lose the continuity of awareness at some point. He didn't put it quite like that, but that was the inference. And he was saying within Saito's Utejaniya's booklet, he says you need these three things, information, intelligence, and insight, or uh, a right intention. And is there some, you didn't put it quite this way, but I think the question is, is there some intelligence to be applied at that time to prevent the merging of awareness with this easefulness and the loss of understanding, right? Hmm. I'm going to give you a technique or a tool for working with that state of mind and then talk about what the understanding is behind it. In that state of mind, that pleasant, pleasant fog, there is, again, something being known. What is it? It takes some steadiness of attention, awareness, and a clarity of perception to recognize the qualities of that, what we're calling a state of mind. It's not really a a permanent state of of any sort. But but there is calm, confidence, tranquility, equanimity, clarity. There's some degree of insight, knowing that it's, it's a dynamic thing rather than a steady thing. There's some non-aversion, non-attachment. There is a sense of ease. There's a sense of contentment. There's a sense of balance. There's a sense of equanimity. But all you're noticing is, wow, pleasant. Not very clear perception. So when you look clearly at that, this is a pleasant, foggy, a pleasant state, and you look at it clearly, this is what will be known this that is being known. And so you don't need to have a checklist of everything I just said. You just need to really stay clearly aware of this state. And these different qualities will emerge as, as they shift, because that state is not steady. It's kind of emerging. You know, sometimes you feel the tranquility, you feel the non-reactivity or the okayness of it or whatever. And so in that state or in that ongoing observation, there is a clarity of perception which sustains, as I mentioned before, the continuity of awareness. Without that clarity of perception, there will be an indulging, a just enjoying the feeling of that state of mind. And that will soon lead to the loss of the continuity of awareness and the subsequent, what did I do wrong, what happened, where to go, blah, blah, blah. So what is the understanding that supports the steady awareness of this seemingly nice, pleasant fog. The understanding is, in every moment, something is being known. What? That's all the understanding, all the intelligence, all the knowledge that you've heard that you need to apply or need to remember in that situation to ask yourself or remind yourself, 
something's being known, what is it? There's a lot of there's a lot of chapters written on what the wisdom of the Buddha is. You can read it forever, but it's not wisdom to you. It's knowledge to you. And it isn't until, until the mind that you're aware of sees this like this and, and registers all, all that perception of what is going on there. Then it becomes wisdom to you. You heard it from me. You, you've heard everything you need to hear. Well, <laughs> for that particular <laughs> experience. So, but it's only, it's only knowledge to you. It's wisdom to me, but it's knowledge to you. If you practice and see that, then, then it's wisdom to you. We're well into the retreat. We're, we've reached the crest. There's a, a very slow, gradual decline of the time left, but not the momentum of awareness. The momentum of awareness is still increasing, and it will, as long as you sustain the continuity of your intention and your effort. That's not to grab hold of any experience, but just to keep noticing. Just notice. Notice the what is being known and notice the noticing, the awareness. And as long as you do that, then there will be uh, uh, increasing momentum and a greater acquisition of uh, insight and knowledge of uh, insight, knowledge, and wisdom will emerge. The key is continuity. It's not forcing, it's not jamming, it's not slowness, it's not anything except continuity. Silence generally supports continuity. Moving at moderate or let's say languid pace also supports. We can be mindful on the freeway, but an empty parking lot is also nice. <laughs> so just be aware that uh, and I would ask you to, to remember the guidance and instruction on noble silence, uh, that, that the only speaking that you engage in is other than staff essential business and speaking with us is Dharma-related Dharma interaction or Dharma inquiry and uh, responding here. Have a great day. <laughs>